Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast, where your favorite hosts bring us the most interesting topics of the week to discuss and ask the question, is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? And of course, we always try to have fun with some shenanigans of our own along the way with amazing guests, games, and of course, spirited conversation. My name is Neil Nix, and today it's movie time. We have award-winning writer actor, producer, and director Chris Morrissey telling us about his career and the projects he's working on. Plus, Micah from Black on Black Cinema Podcast is back again to review with us movies. The movies Karen and Candyman. And in quick fire, we're talking about the Haitian migrants along the U.S. border, Gabby Petito and missing a white woman syndrome, and sexual harassment by the other Cuomo brother. As always, we'll end with Shenanigans, the game show. Don't forget, any topics that get so deep that we run out of time for, we'll discuss in our after show, which streams live exclusively in our TLS Fans Facebook group. You can sign up right now at TLSFans.com, or you can listen to the after show later in the week on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just go to TLSPod.com to subscribe and get alerted. But... Before we get into our show, we've got a couple of new faces today, different faces. So let me introduce you to our hosts for the next hour. The professor, journalist, editor, and sports intern mentor at ESPN, Miss Lizzie Enders. Woo-hoo! What's hey, up, Lizzie. everyone? Happy Sunday, Sunday. Happy Sunday, Sunday. I hope everyone is well, enjoying their Sunday. It's been a very difficult week for me. My allergies are like up here, so I may be coughing. Also, my cat was sick all week. And so I have been crying. I well, I was crying for like 72 hours straight. Um, but he's on the mend. You know, he's on antibiotics and he is now less lethargic. He's engaging. He's no longer limping. Um, he has a kidney infection. Um, wow. Yeah, I never... I never thought that I would be crying a bucket of tears over a goddamn feline. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Oh. Um, but you know, y'all know. All of my friends and family know. I love my boo boo Remy. So I'm happy that to tell you all that I'm in a better place. He's in a better place. So let's have a good show. Today. Wait, he's in a better place. A okay. Today. Well, yeah. Well, not that better. Yeah. Wow. Well, one, we don't know if the afterlife is a better place. So there's that. But here in in Southwest Washington, D.C., he's doing much better. Awesome. All right. Our resident movie critic and host of the Black on Black Cinema and Nerdpocalypse podcast, a regular on our show now, the venerable Mr. Micah Payne. Uh, Hey, everybody. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, Chelsea lost, and it looks like the Ravens are about to lose. So I'm very much looking and forward to uh, 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to being here instead of sitting in front of my television. I mean, Even. if it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, them, them Washington football Anacostians are not winning anything either right now. So I, I don't DMV, really care about them. So. It's, 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 it's losses hey, 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 for the hey, DMV. Hey. It's losses for the DMV. <laughs> All right. And a new face sitting in this week for Gianni Storm. We have a rookie host who recently joined the TLS team. So take it easy on her, guys. A college student in techie with an all-around vibrant personality. It's Ellen Dahl. Hello. Ellen. Welcome. Excited? Live. Yes. Coming to you live from actual quarantine because one of my roommates has COVID. You know, we're locked up in here, ready to ready to discuss some topics through this um through this trying time. Wow. Wow, quarantine, huh? That's gotta be that's gotta be tough. Well, good thing you you got to watch yeah. some movies this weekend. So I did, I did. Or maybe this or maybe not. Or maybe yeah, not. This election, this election, we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> I have yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we have a rite of passage for our new guest host that we call the hot seat. All right. Come on, Ellen. So Come on, Ellen. Quick <laughs> rapid fire questions. So, so our audience can get to know Ellen. Ellen, are you ready? All right. I, I suppose so. All right, let's get to it. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Movie food. Popcorn, nachos, hot dogs, or candy? Popcorn. Who thinks popcorn? Of hot dogs? All right. Traditional. All right. <laughs> Real Housewives, Survivor, or The Bachelor? Come on, Ellen. I'm like any of them, The Bachelor, I guess. <laughs> the closest. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Biggie Smalls, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Doja Cat or Justin Bieber? RHCP. Okay. Wait, what? What did she say? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red, I'm saving yeah. time. It's quick fire. <laughs> She's <Yeah>. saving time. Biggie <laughs> Smalls right. is the illest. Biggie <laughs> Smalls is the illest. All right. The Breakfast <laughs> Club, The Avengers, Finding Nemo, or Pitch Perfect? The Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. All right. All right, you have, the, <laughs> you have the power to instantly do one of these. You can end homelessness, end climate change, become a billionaire, or live forever but poor. Um, uh, climate change. Cli oh, climate change, all right. Would you prefer jail for five years or coma for 10 years? Oh, my God. Jail for five years because it's harder for the family. <laughs> for, otherwise, I mean, it's harder for the family if I had a coma. Okay. All ten right. Years? <laughs> ten years is a long time. You can't be asleep for ten years. I'd rather go to jail. For I'm not. Like, I, I can't go to jail ever. Not even <laughs> five minutes. Nope. nope. All right. Last one, Ellen. Last one. Which would you rather do all day? Play sports, watch TV, play video games, eat, or hang out with friends? Play video games. Play video there games. All right. Yeah, you are off the hot seat, Ellen. All right, good job, Ellen. Good job, good job. Good job. All right, you we did. Gotta really use good. that high 
We got to use that hot seat music more often. I like that. I you know, like it. Has Micah, have you been on the hot seat yet? Uh-oh. I think we Uh-oh. forgot to put you on the hot seat. <laughs> Come on, brother. Come on, brother. <laughs> All right, we're going to get you. We're going to get you next. We're going to get you next. We got we got we got a packed show. So we'll get you next time. All right. All right, let's time to start the show. So let's get to our quick fire. This season our hosts share a topic, but we only have 3 minutes to discuss and 1 minute for audience comments. So, hyper comments fast, guys. Let's do it. All right. Following another devastating earthquake, tens of thousands of Haitian migrants found their way to the U.S. border. But horrifying images of Border Patrol officers rounding up Haitians appeared reminiscent of slave catchers. So my question, are we taking this out of context like the Biden administration suggests, or are these tactics remnants of the slavery era? I'm going to start with Lizzie on this. Um, No, we're not taking it out of context. We can't take anything out of context that isn't being put forth to the public. This has been one of the most um, silent stories that I've seen in a long time um, about immigrants, about deportation, about people or another country that is in peril. So no, we're not taking it out of context. It is what it is. And I I hate that phrase, but it is what it is. All right, Mike. No, I don't think it's being taken out of context. It's racist. It's racism. I think that if you choose to be a border patrol person, like you, you want you want people who don't look like you to come in the country. Uh, the fact that they're using the reins of the horse as a whip. I mean, like this is like a racist's wet dream, right? Like, yeah. and that's that's all I can that's all I can see in in these images. Like that's that's what I see. Just racist. All right. Ellen? Yeah, Micah, I feel the same way. I think that these were all choices. People who chose to become border patrol agents and then make the choice to go on horseback and then make the choice to crack whip. It's like, yeah, there's we're not taking it out of context. It's just a, the same the same thing in a different in a different time frame. Yeah. So it, it's continuous. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit of both. I, I tried to think to myself, like, how would I deal with this issue? I'm president or whatever. You know, I do want to help Haitians at the border. And, and I don't, you know, but I also don't want tens of thousands of Haitians coming in, not just Haitians, but people coming in just Ooh. all willy nilly. Um, your wife gonna get you. Your I know, right? Because my wife, my wife is my wife is half Haitian. <laughs> my, my wife, I know she's not half Haitian. She's Haitian. Her parents are both Haitian. Anyway, but <laughs> but the point is, we got to I mean, we don't want it to happen. So I got to stop them. I'm outnumbered. And I certainly can't shoot them, right? So I think the problem here is a lack of creative solutions, right? They started reverting back to what they know, and what they know is what they've done in the past. It's whip slavery, get some horses, run them down. That's what they've known, especially in Texas. So I think this is just a failure of imagination. You know, you know, I don't know that I have the answer, but I have greater minds than mine in America should have the answer. I mean, if we think about it, you know, given that um, there was a lot of civil unrest in Afghanistan after the United States started to pull out and the government was imploring us to be compassionate for all of the Afghani immigrants that were going to come to the U.S. as mm-hmm. a result. 
why don't we get that same vibe with Haiti? And I posted in the <laughs> chat, if you guys go to you know our Facebook page and look to the live chat, I posted Biden's comments in 1994 on Haiti. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. So- Let's get to these yeah, comments so, online. Let's mm-hmm. get to these comments online real quick. So <laughs> my wife is online and she <laughs> She is Haitian, <laughs> which, which I am aware of. All right. Mm-hmm. So why are we surprised by this America? That's Olivia. Mike Winter says the issue is that they were all bringing food to their families. So why uh, have that negative energy? Right. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, Haitians, this is Jacqueline Robinson, Haitians have always been dehumanized. Fascinating that Afghanistan refugees were welcomed and the media mm. fell all over themselves to whip up sympathy for them. Yet Haitians are treated that's, like subhumans. Um, that's my sister, y'all. We on the, yeah. we one of them raised in the same house, so we on the same wavelength. Same Mel Blaine wavelength says, here. Biden needs to do more. And Olivia says, Sleepy Joe will never get my vote again. He got Trump out and that's all I needed him for. I like that one, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, he might need your vote, Olivia, you know, if Trump runs again. To keep, to keep Trump he, out. <laughs> exactly. So never say never. Never, never say, say never. never. All right. Is this truth, lies, <laughs> or shenanigans? This is oh, shit. shenanigans. Um, shenanigans. Everybody's going shenanigans. Shenanigans across <laughs> the board. All right. So let's get to our quick, our second quick fire question. And this is for you, Lizzie. You've got uh, three minutes. What's up? It's going to hurt some feelings out here, but Chris Cuomo was in the news last week. Um, so Chris Cuomo is um, an anchor and he has a show on CNN. He's also the brother of former New York governor Andrew Cuomo, who recently resigned back in August after it was revealed that he was involved in an ongoing scandal with several women, several former employees of his. So now in the New York Times this week, it dropped that one of um, Chris Cuomo's former bosses at ABC, ABC, she too is saying that one of the Cuomo brothers was inappropriate with her. She's saying that, you know, at her going away party from ABC, I believe it was back in 2004, if I'm not mistaken, um, Chris Cuomo grabbed her on the ass at her going away party and said, now that you're no longer my boss, I could do this. Said it in front of her husband and she pushed him away and said, no, you can't. Subsequent to that, um, he sent her an apology email. So he acknowledged that it happened. So there've been a lot of people out here saying, well, you know, he apologized and it happened so long ago, so it's not really a big deal. My question to the panel is, is it a big deal? Let's start with Ellen. Is it a big deal, Ellen? I mean, absolutely, especially when you consider what the apology was. That's what I stopped thinking about after I read this article. It was so insincere. He didn't even capitalize anything. Um, He (laughs) He apologized to the husband. Yeah. I think that, what was the subject line of the email, Lizzie? It was something like, now I feel bad, or something like that. It was like, after further consideration. But yeah, it was totally insincere. And for him to say, yeah, I apologize. It was, it was clearly just a save thing. So yep. yes, it's right. a big deal. Micah? Yeah, it's a big deal. Look, I, I'm the type <laughs> of person that believes that no one is irredeemable, but um, you gotta make, you gotta truly make amends and you can't just go through the motions and 
I feel like this is what he's doing, right? And I feel like we're just going to get a lot of that nowadays, just like people going through the motions. Let's just tell these expletives here what they want to hear so I can get back to normal and the status quo. You got to make genuine amends, man. And while I do believe that no one is irredeemable, um, when you when you judge somebody, you got to judge everybody for everything, like positives and negatives. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. Should he lose his job for it? I mean, I don't know if that's the question. Um, not necessarily. I don't think so. But you, know, you gotta, you gotta change, man. And right. you can't keep getting, you can't keep getting passes, right? right. And I don't know, I, I don't know how many passes this dude's had, but I, you know, do this, is the this is the second. This pass. is the second. The second. Right. It's a second because he got a pass Jeez. on um, his inappropriate commentary and behavior in regards to his brother. So this is a second pass. All right. Leo? All right. Well, we're out of time, but I just, I'm just going, I'm just going to uh, say that if, if, if it had been my wife, I, I don't know if he, he had a broken jaw. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, you know, he would have been, he would have, he would have been. I just that. I got more to say, but I'm gonna just leave it at that because we're out of time. <laughs> he would have had a broken show. jaw. Make it to the after show. <laughs> All right. Comments from uh, it's a big deal. Cuomo, uh, Mel Blaine said it's a big deal. He disrespected her, treated her like an object. Fire him. Uh, Jacqueline Robinson said, I'm shocked that Chris was still able to walk. Most husbands, husbands would have caught a case for whooping his ass. Um, there you go. And Mel Blaine says, If someone grabs my ass at work, I'm going to HR and make a huge deal. All right. Uh, let's get to. Truth, lies, shenanigans on Cuomo. I mean, this dude is full of shenanigans. Get out of here. Get out of here. His whole family is a big Man Italian is. stereotype. All right. <laughs> yeah, they are, and they make us look really bad. Make us really hate it. He's like, no, it's okay. We're from a big Italian family. I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our third quick fire. Ellen, you got three minutes, Ellen. What's right. going on? Okay. So. By now, we've probably all heard of Gabby Petito, whether or not you want to. Um, She was a 22-year-old white woman who went missing in late August on a road trip with her boyfriend. She garnered a massive amount of attention from news outlets, as well as from social media. And this level of attention raised some eyebrows because people discussed the lack of coverage of missing person cases involving Black, Latino, and Indigenous people. So this mm-hmm. brought people to discuss something called missing white woman syndrome, which refers to the disproportionate media coverage of missing person cases involving white women compared to the relative lack of attention towards missing person cases involving non-white people. So my question to you guys is, can the general public alone mitigate white woman syndrome, or is that an impossible task without drastic changes to the newsrooms that cover these cases? All right. Um, let me, let me jump. Let me jump in first here. So, oh, yeah, sure. I, I was listening to a criminologist on, on one of the local radio stations, and um, he was talking about how these images. Um, he was explaining how we got to white woman syndrome, and we have these images of saving the damsel in distress, who's always a young white girl. Mm-hmm. You know, prevalent in all our books, stories, movies from our childhood. You think of Snow White, Rapunzel, Beauty and the Beast, Alice in Wonderland, all these damsels, mm-hmm. white damsels in distress, and that's where it kind of comes from. Um, so the infatuation is kind of like programmed in our minds from our youth. But it goes back to the issue of Black Lives Matter. Is we've been trained that Black lives aren't important. It's the white damsels in distress that are 
what's important. Honestly, I have a lot more to say, but as far as uh, the newsrooms, they absolutely have to take uh, the lead on this. Absolutely have to take the lead on this. Micah? The general public already does try to take the, the lead on these things. Every missing person of color that I've ever seen is always on Facebook. It's never on the news unless it's a high-profile person. And not even then, because, like, Kelly Price was missing for a few days, and nobody gave a damn. Um, she's found, by the way. Um, allegedly. Look, I, I, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. I have uh, expanded thoughts on this on the latest preview episode of Black on Black Cinema, um, where you can, uh, you can hear us talk about missing white woman syndrome for uh, about 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's a problem that uh, needs to be corrected through institution. Lizzie? One of the things that pissed me off over the past couple of weeks um, about this particular topic, and again, I feel for Gabby's family, I hate that, you know, she was murdered, that we actually mm-hmm. saw her demise play out. Um, but one of the things that pissed me off is that people were making excuses for white, why white women's syndrome is a thing, saying, well, the reason why, you know, her story was out there was because she was a video influencer and it was totally different. You know, she had a social media presence, which other persons of color don't have. And that's bullshit because this isn't a new issue. This has been going on for decades, for decades, Mm -hmm. to the point where there's a law and order episode about white women's syndrome as it relates to people Mm. who are missing. There's a there's a Criminal Minds episode where there were two young girls, right one time. white, one black. And so this is reflective of what our culture is like right. here in America. This isn't anything new. Yep. Isn't let's, get to these, new. let's get to these comments real quick. Uh, Ellen, we can talk about it more. I actually want to talk about this in the after show. Jacqueline Robinson talks about white woman syndrome and late when Eiffel called out the white woman syndrome years ago. Decision needs not only start uh, with law enforcement and newsrooms, I wish uh, Olivia says, I wish we didn't have to use real life missing or murder people uh, to explain the syndrome. Uh, because, I mean, this this poor girl is actually still missing. Um, and then uh, Mike Winter says the Kelly Price situation pissed me off. <laughs> Abby Petito and white woman syndrome. Yeah. Going with truth. You know what? It's 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 with my truth. Ellen's got truth. truth. Micah's got truth. truth. Lizzie's truth. got truth. Truth. Okay. Only in the last week have a lot of persons of color missing situations have been put on the news nationally. Only in the, within the last week because this shit has been called out. So it's right. true. True. All right. All right. Great job, guys. Good quick fire. Now it's time to bring in our guest. Today's spotlight is on Chris Morris. Hey, Chris, What's welcome up, to the Chris? show. How are you? Hey. Hello. Hey, everybody. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you. So, Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Chris Morrissey. He is a Hollywood filmmaker and actor that has written, produced, and directed several award-winning feature films, including Superstar Female Serial Killer. Trick of the Witch, and Lip Gloss Explosion. Chris has acted in several independent films, television projects, including Twin Peaks. He's a native of Los Angeles and currently is producing two 
new feature film, which will begin actually production later this year. Uh, he also curates and hosts a monthly Los Angeles theatrical film screening series. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. I know, Chris, I'd like to give you an opportunity to share more about yourself, and I ask that you include something that we can't Google about. Well, I pretty much do everything pertaining to Hollywood. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I, I write, I curate, direct. Um, I even like edit and do music, and I, I have my hand in like so many different things just because, you know, it's never boring. I'm always like, you know, interested in just, you know, creating and, you know, nurturing any kind of ideas that I come up with. And, you know, I'm, I'm so uh, connected to, you know, being an artist in Hollywood and just seeing things, you know, through, I just try to just uh, dig deep and utilize any ideas that I come up with. Wonderful. So, so what can we get? Anything we can't Google about you? Uh, well, okay. Are you familiar with the Cinerama Dome uh, Theater in Hollywood? I'm not. Okay. Well, it's a very old, it's like one of the first big giant movie screens in Hollywood, like right on Sunset Boulevard. Um, so my mom and dad uh, met while working there. Oh, wow. So they met, got married, and had me, and it's this big, you know, movie theater. So, like, I grew up in the theater, always going and watching <laughs> movies, but um, I always call it because it looks like a big egg. I always say it's like the egg that I hatched out of. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. I actually want to start with our movie critic, uh, Micah. So, Micah, did you have any questions for Chris? Yeah, so uh, I I watched the trailer for uh, Trick of the Witch, and I'm getting kind of like some Roger Corman, John Waters vibes from it. Uh, who are your directorial inspiration? Well, funny enough, Roger Corman, I used to work for him. Uh, oh. oh, wow. Okay. Early on started. Yeah, I was, um, I was looking, you know, to just break into any studio out here in LA. And I had called them up one day and I was just like, do you have any job openings? And the woman on the phone was like, well, have you ever been a receptionist before? And I was like, uh, no, but I can answer the phones. She's like, come in tomorrow because you're going to start. And I was like, huh? Like I got hired. <laughs> so I literally walked in there. They sat me in the front desk and they were there's this like crazy phone system that I had no idea, you know, how to use all the different buttons and stuff. And they were just like, yeah, just answer the phone. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then of course, Roger Crumman comes in and he's in the office behind me and they're having like this big production meeting and I'm sitting there eavesdropping and I'm just like, it's so surreal. I uh, like one day I'm just suddenly like the receptionist for his studio. So I was there for a little while and then I moved nice. over to interview magazine. So but yeah, I love Roger. Talk about networking. Like huge inspiration. Talk about networking. Talk about networking. Busy. So my question is yeah, in terms of, of things, I have several I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. And I was just saying a lot of the things uh that I've kind of ended up doing have always been like weird coincidences like i was just in the right place at the right time but i knew those weren't just luck i had to like utilize 
okay, this is a great opportunity. Don't don't screw it up. Just learn what you have to learn and just go with it. Wonderful. So I think, Chris, like even when we have our movie time segments, I think it becomes apparent that we have various different genres of cinema and film that we like and appreciate. Do you have one? Like, you know, in a perfect world where you could decide would there be one particular genre that you would love to work on and produce and write for consistently? Well, I love something that's offbeat. I do like horror films because they're very entertaining and easy to make. Um, and there's yes. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, anytime you have a script, you could write a comedy or a drama, but if you are pitching it and somebody doesn't like it, throw in a killer, throw in like, you know, somebody disappears and, you'll probably get the financing um but personally i love thrillers and suspense and crazy offbeat comedy and you know but always horror i could watch all the time i'm like a big yes, horror movie love though. it love it i watch killer shows every day so yes <laughs> love it <laughs> jose's online says she loves horror films here's a yes. question online um for you um says uh chris uh what are the big key elements you have to tell a compelling story what, what are hmm. what do you what are the elements hmm. to telling a compelling story well i would say first and foremost let it be something you're very passionate about like a story that really is you're connected to and because anytime you're writing a script or you're gonna like i write direct and produce everything that i make so i'm like stuck with it for two years and even after when the film's ready to come out and i'm promoting it and stuff it's like i'm living with the storylines i'm living with the characters um so yeah be passionate tell a story that's different you know because so many writers tend to like just remake films we've all seen before and for me as an audience member i love to um see things that are just unique and i'll i'll be in a theater and i'm just like like, wow, where's the story going? Like, this is fully, there's all these twists and things I wasn't expecting. And, you know, those are the movies that you think about days or two later and they just stay with you. And you're like, wow, that was a really great film. I want to see it again. I want to like analyze it and, you know, go through it. <laughs> awesome. Ellen, what's your question? Yeah. Um, I was wondering how COVID affected your inspiration or workflow. I mean, Directing is not a solo activity, right? That's a group activity. So not being able to work at times, what has that done for you as a director? Well, here's the thing. Right before COVID struck, like the beginning of two, uh, 2000, um, 2000, wait, wait, I'm so confused. Uh, 20, we all are. 20. We all are. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I've lost track of time. I can't even believe it's almost yeah. two years since the pandemic started. Yeah, we, we all are. It's almost two years now. Yeah, I was. I said the other day to someone, I'm like, it's 2023, and they're like, no, it's 2021. I'm like, wait a oh minute, I'm like thrown off. No, but uh, the beginning of um, 2020, I was like, okay, I'm like, I have like four projects that I was just about to start, kind of trying to figure out which one I was going to focus on the most, and and everybody was like, it just got really busy for me, and um, it was so great, but then I was, I was never. Um, I never had time to like really focus on one project or focus on 
things were just getting out of hand. So when COVID hit, mm -hmm. I, I literally was just stuck in, you know, stuck at home. And I'm like, hmm, now I have all this time that I told people I never had time for. So I mm -hmm. really should work on focus on these and um, focus on the writing, focus on the scripts. And then also, because you've got to think, you know, are we going to be able to film the same way with like large groups? Are we going to have like extras? That stuff's like right. you know, that's kind of thrown out the window. So I really had to, as a writer, like try to scale down um, how many characters are going to be in, in certain scenes. Um, wow. I just use one location. I, you got to really think Interesting. outside the box, though. In every, even if your COVID wasn't around, like there's always problems that you run into. So as a director, mm -hmm. you have to be kind of like, like a problem solver and, you know, puzzle, you know, putting puzzles together. Cause you're always coming up with mm -hmm. plan B, plan C, plan, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I love that part. I think very that's quick. why I like it. Sorry. <laughs> very quick, very quickly. I just want to piggyback off of what something you just mentioned prior, previous to Ellen's comment, what do you think about remakes? Because Hollywood over the past, yeah. I would say, decade has Very been like heavy. void. Of, remake heavy, right, Neil? Void mm -hmm. of original ideas. Like, we even have on ABC right now a remake of The Wonder Years, which, okay, for <laughs> Black folks, you know, it's an all-Black cast, but I'm just like, hmm, did it really have to be, you know, titled The Wonder Years? Like, couldn't we come up with a new idea? So as a producer, director, writer, what do you think about remakes? If if the original film is amazing and it's like a classic and you know like you're not going to be able to um, expand upon it in any way, I would just leave it alone. And if you want to do, instead of a remake, I feel like people should do like more of like a tribute to something. Like take oh, like maybe that. the mm. concept. And then, but put your own spin on it because the thing I hate, like an example is um, Dawn of the Dead. You have the original one from the 70s, and that's like a classic you can't touch. And then they remade the one in 2004, which was good. It was decent, but I wish they didn't call it Dawn of the Dead. I wish it would have just been right. its own film. Right. But, you know, yeah. people say to me, like, oh, what are some films that you like? And I'll say Dawn of the Dead, and they think I'm talking about one from 2000. <laughs> so that's why i feel like 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 say Candyman. um yeah i haven't seen oh, it yet but oh, i'm like oh. people have so <laughs> so many people are fans Don't of rush. the original and then this new generation <laughs> probably didn't even know that there was another Candyman. so they're looking at this new one as like this is the Candyman. so i feel like they should kind of you know give it a little bit something to show that it's like its own thing. Yeah. Agreed. So my question, um, social issues have always been part of filmmaking, but in this post Trump era, I've been noticing that social and political issues have been showing up even more across multiple different genres um, and genres that you wouldn't expect. Like for example, horror action films and even animated films. So are you seeing that as well? And why is that happening? Um, I think, well, I know the studios are very like, you know, it's all about money to them. And, you know, anytime anything kind of political arises, they feel like they just have to, you know, 
okay, well, we need to do this. I mean, you can have, you could write a script and it'd be perfect, but if the suits in the room feel that they need to add this or that or do something, they're going to do that regardless of whatever creative things that you had and really had in your script that you had in your heart that you really wanted to put out there. Um, I mean, in some way, I guess it, it, it's a bit about being genuine. I feel like if the writer or the director or the production company really um, stands behind whatever they're um, trying to create and put out there, um, let it be genuine. Don't let it be like forced, like where the studio is like, well, we have to do this. We have to do that. Cause then you can tell that it's not, you know, real. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately we are out of time, but I wanted to uh, give you a minute to kind of talk about the projects that you're working on now. And of course, any shout outs that you have for anyone. Well, um, I, as you had said in the intro, um, I'm work. I wrote some scripts and, quarantine that i really am excited about so i'm gonna you know start working on i'm whichever one i can do first based on like you know how safe it is with covid yeah um so hopefully by the end you know end of november i should know if we're going to start you know working on it for the beginning of the year but in the meantime all of my older films are being like remastered and re you know ready for uh, streaming and you know because they've all played in theaters. All of my films, bless you. All of my films have played in theaters and you know film festivals and everything. So now I'm just like putting them out there because I really love films to uh, be seen in a theater. So during the quarantine, I actually released one of my films, Trick of the Witch, onto YouTube mm. uh, just to give it a bigger audience. But um, we're gonna do a drive-in double feature of uh, trick of the witch and heavy makeup which is going to be uh towards halloween and then also in the beginning of the new year we're going to do like a a tour of different la theaters and drive-ins and then expand it you know it's all because of covid we just have to like kind of, of play course. by ear yeah you gotta do, like what you gotta do. yeah yeah all right any shout outs because i have a lot of people. um shout out just you know to all the any artists out there that are writing and you know, coming up with new ideas just keep doing it you know just take chances do things you know off the beaten path and if you don't let anybody tell you like your idea isn't worthy of being a big film out there so just just work on everything that you have in your heart and gut and creativity and just get it going let's let's see new talent out there new artists okay all right well i want to again thank you for joining us Feel free to jump on those comments online. There's a bunch of questions for you online. So feel free to check oh, okay. those out. So, um, but yeah, we really yeah, do thank you. you for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And I'm really enjoying the show. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We wish you the best, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. All right. This is pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's always good to hear inside industry perspectives. So right. I think he was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we get into movie time, I need to remind you that this is the last week to get 20% off of Logic's streetwear and apparel. Owner of Logic's JT was on the show a few months back, and we've gotten a lot of great reviews on his clothing. So for quality, designer feel, and a trendy look, visit Logic's at We, we Are Logic's. L-O-G-I-C-Z dot com 
and you'll receive 20% off when you use promo code TLS Live. All right, let's get into movie time with Micah. What you've been waiting for? All right, Micah, I am turning things over to you. So, where to begin? Um, <laughs> let's start with uh, let's start with Karen because I yeah, let's start. You know, Karen, yeah, I agree. I, I say this with no hyperbole whatsoever. Karen is the worst oh. movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, the worst um, you've ever seen? Wow! I've seen yeah, I can't. I cannot think of a worse movie. I cannot think oh. of a worse movie. It's certainly the worst oh. movie I've seen all year, oh. and I've seen Beckett. So it's um, it's it's not it's not a good film. I I think it was I I don't even mind the, the concept, right? Like there's a germ of a good idea in the concept of this psycho woman, right? And using these social issues to try and um, um, create a thriller, but mm-hmm. everything about it is executed poorly. Um, yeah, I look. I I have uh, expanded thoughts on black on black cinema. We did an episode uh, all about Karen. I, I really hated that movie. Really? Um, I hated. Wow. I hated Karen. Y'all did a whole episode about Karen. We thought it because we thought it was going to be like a fun bad movie, and it's just a bad bad. It's movie. just a bad bad. I hate. It's not even. Funny. I hate. I just, <laughs> it's I not just even can't fun. Think of doing. I just can't imagine doing a whole episode about it. Like. Well, because we talked about we, we we talked about like actual Karens, right, and the real life implications, and how this just feels exploitive uh, uh, of of real world situations. I, I just it, yeah, we did a we did a full episode on it. You can go there if you want to hear my expanded thoughts. But let's go to Ellen. Uh, what do you what do you think about this movie? Okay, first of all, I have to say my expectations were high somewhat for the lead because Taryn Manning played a great racist on Orange is the New Black. And I was like, maybe she'll bring that weird energy to this movie. And she didn't. Um, The script was terrible. The acting was really bad. I think making a Karen basically the villain in the movie made it so that other people who are actually like racist parents can look at her and be like, oh, well, I'm nothing like that. <laughs> That's a good point. It, didn't catch, right. it, it angered me because it like it didn't catch the subtlety of Karenness, which is what it is, basically, until point. it like explodes into something bigger. But I do have to say, my least favorite part of the part of the movie was when it was so weird. The guy, the main character, was like honey, did you make anything for dinner? And she was like, no, I didn't. And he was like, oh, it's okay. I'll just have this apple. And I was like, what? Just <laughs> Random social <laughs> issue thrown in there, right? <laughs> I was like, I guess so. So that's when I gave up on the movie. But yeah, I thought it, I don't know what the target audience was. I don't know what it was supposed to do, but I think uh, it was just bad. And you, you gave up a little bit earlier than I did. I mean, it was horrible from the start, but I think I gave up when... Uh, they tried to, when he was, okay, he was outside his house and they were playing basketball with the little kid, his, the, the, the son. And then she's like, hey, can you come over here and help me with my antifreeze? And he spilled some antifreeze and he's like, okay, I need to clean my hands. And she's like, come inside and clean your hands. You know, he's like, well, no, I'm okay. I'm good. And she's, he's like, no, come on inside. You know, it's right there. 
I'm thinking to myself, his house, his own house. Is yeah, right his house is right next there. Door. The neighbors. Why yeah. do I need to walk into your house to wash my hands? Or into my house and wash my hands? I mean, now I get He's that. Like, well, I guess I do. They were trying, what they were trying to do was create a reason for him to go into the house, right? Because they wanted him to see the, the racist stuff on the wall and the little Confederate flag and then see the, the, where the cameras were pointing and all that stuff. But I mean, come on. I mean, a 12 year old could come up with a better reason to go into the house than I spilled something on my hand. I mean, he, shoot, he could, the, the, the son could have fallen over and, and, and hurt himself, and that'd be a perfect reason for him to have to go in and help him into the house. I mean, shoot, I could come up with stuff off the fly right Done. now. <laughs> That's better than what this movie came up with. I mean, it was that bad. I mean, just the, the writing, the, it was a very thoughtless, Movie is like they really didn't even try. It's not like they really didn't. They did a. They did a. You. Why don't you people go back to Africa? Like, all right, y'all. Like, this is the most heavy-handed. And look, the next movie we're talking about is done a little better, but it's still heavy-handed. But this is like hit you with a sledgehammer heavy. It was, and I just, I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, I, all of you listening. We're about to throw it to the person that you really want to hear from. <laughs> what did you think about this movie? So, so, you know, Micah is alluding to our back and forth because Micah maintains that whatever movie that he suggests that we talk about, I hate. Um, I did not movie, suggest this movie, by the way. I was that, say, who the it, fuck it was not him. this movie? It was not him. It was him. <laughs> It was not him. This movie. This, 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 I picked these movies, so let's go. With Why? It. Why? <laughs> Honestly, what did you know? Full disclosure: <laughs> I did not. I stopped after the first thirty minutes. I did not finish this movie. It's hard. To I finish. could not. It only gets worse. It only gets worse. It was that bad. Was, but did anyone else feel like it was an SNL script? Not like, even. I, 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 I've seen better no, SNL scripts. But I thought it was like comedy. There was a comedic factor. Like it was like, I'm watching it. Exactly. I'm watching it. I'm like, this that was can't be a real done. movie. This can't be a real movie. I think it would have been better if it was like that, actually. All of the stereotypes and characters and real world issue real world issues were mocked and elevated to the point where I was just like, this can't be the idea for a real movie. Um, I think I, well, I, again, early on, I was like, okay, this is stupid. This is dumb. The acting was poor. The writing was poor. There was no real plot. There was no real script. But I think early on, um, and I thought you were referencing this, Neo, when you said there was a a moment where um, the main Karen was talking to the husband. The husband, by the way, is Tia Mar. Remember Sister, Sister? Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all remember? Yeah. So the husband, Corey, um, that's her husband. So, you know, it's obvious, you know, he's trying to get some work on the oh. side because this is not a good role for him. He, he, but he wasn't hard. He wasn't the worst actor I've ever seen. He wasn't a good actor. I'm not talking about his acting. I'm talking about script selection. Like, this was horrible. But initially, yeah. when he was sitting in the car in the driveway and she came over and was speaking to him, and engaged him and she asked him so i just want to know like what made y'all want to move into this neighborhood you know all white neighborhood but i'm like okay he didn't cuss her out like wh- what are you talking about 
no one in this movie speaks like a normal person right like even in the even in the situations where it's between the black couple like there's one where we annoyed me it really annoyed me because he was like oh you know you my strong black queen who's highly educated and college graduate and it's like you know this is a terrible way to to distribute exposition man like i don't go to my wife and say oh you a strong black queen how we got the jd from howard and and you went to fsu and you did this you did like talk like that come on man that's not how we speak that's not how we interact (laughs) amongst ourselves but even when we are faced with adversity like I, I just could not get on board with this. <laughs> I agree with Micah. Probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I kept saying, I can't wait till Sunday because I'm going to get in somebody's ass about making me waste time. <laughs> so, Mike, we're, bullshit. we're out of time on this one. But uh, we, Mike Winter says, without asking, I knew Neo picked this mess. <laughs> 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 all right all right michael let's get let's get to the next one michael. all right next up is the uh 2021 version of Candyman, directed by nia DaCosta, produced by um uh jordan peele and his monkey paw productions uh this is going to be the next film that we uh review on black on black cinema uh we are uh this coming uh wednesday uh so you'll get my expanded thoughts on that um, quickly, I didn't hate this movie, but there are problems with it. One, um, I do like the idea of expanding this mythology. I, I like the idea that Candyman is a metaphor for black pain manifested into a being that will, uh, 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 I guess, murder people. But like, you should probably be murdering like people who did things that are wrong to other black people, not just five random girls in a bathroom. Like that's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, and I like and I like the cinematography. The cinematography is a, it's a beautiful look. There is some good cinematography. Yes, it is. But um, it is. but it does have it does have and and strong performances, particularly from Yaya Abdul Mateen and Tiana Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it does have uh, some like wonkiness with the script. Um, it doesn't follow its own rules, which, you know, in a movie like this, uh, you got to follow your rules, right? Like if, if, if you summon Candyman by saying his name five times, you should like, be dead. You got to say, it. you, you got to say it. You can't break it up. You can't be like Candyman, Candyman. Oh yeah. So about, uh, that Ravens pulling out the victory today, Candyman, <laughs> Candyman. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that last one. Because you know I'm kind of superstitious. Oh, did you just say it five times? I just, I think I just heard. I, you say I said it four times. You- <laughs> I said it four times. Well, guess what? The next person that says it, you're gonna die. <laughs> According to their rules. I'll say it. I dare that motherfucker uh, you, come up in here. Can't I can't bet you. I bet you would want Yaya do. I bet you would want Yaya do a team to come up in that house. But listen, it's it's listen. it's okay. It's it's be- it's it's better than the sum of it. Or it's it's the the pieces are really good, but the movie overall is not great. And I was expecting great, and I just got pretty good. Latoya Blakely says, "Nope, nope, nope." I watched the '90s version once. Nearly knocked out one of my male friends who thought it would be funny to try to. Oh, I lost. Um, what are your uh, what are your friends who thought it'd be funny hard so to try to lock me in a bathroom and call on his creepy ass? That will go nowhere near this craziness. That's what she. 
<laughs> Y'all, I sleep with a butcher knife underneath my pillow. Like, Candyman <laughs> can bring it if he wants to. He don't want none of this smoke. He don't want none of this smoke. Okay? Micah, I, what did I, you I think of this smoke? I agree with you. I was very disappointed because I had high expectations because all of the um, pre-release chatter about this or reviews about this movie talked about how they incorporated the racial and political aspect to it. So I was expecting it to take a completely different angle. And what I got was a movie that was so disjointed. Like I, I didn't know what the story was supposed to be. Like one in one moment, you know, you're, you're talking about mm-hmm. the the horror portion, and then all of a sudden it switches to something else. Like it just it didn't flow. It was not connected. I think you know it could have been a lot more than what it was. Um, it could have been. Didn't feel like I didn't feel like it was a horror movie. It wasn't suspenseful. Yep. I was not scared at any point in time. Um, I do think that there were the cinematography was great. Um, there I were some good scenes. You know, a, a predominantly black cast. I I, I love that. But I I think it missed the mark. Like, oh my god, Jordan Peele finally like got a big fat balloon. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I mean, my expectations were actually low coming in because to me, there's nothing more hit or miss than comedies and horrors. So I just go in thinking that it's going to suck. Um, but I, like like you guys have been saying, I loved the cinematography. I loved the silhouette, the way of mm-hmm. like, telling old stories in, in that way. The shadow puppets. Yep. Um, but yeah, they the kind of stopped. It, it wasn't consistent. Like, you got to yeah, you got a lot of that in the beginning, and then you didn't see it anymore. It like faded out. Yeah, right. Um, and I think what I was most disappointed by is I really appreciate because this was produced by Jordan Peele. I know he didn't write it, but he really trusts his audience with an ambiguous ending or ambiguous meaning in it, like for themes for the for the movie, and everything was so. It was it was heavy handed, like Michael was saying. They um it was like we weren't the audience wasn't trusted to to figure stuff out on our own. So they mm-hmm. had to be very, very blatant with the political messages, which I was surprised because Jordan Peele was on there. I was I was I was hoping that the audience would be trusted to um take a message from it that wasn't explicitly explicitly said. Yeah. Do you oh, no. think even the political messages were kind of empty? I feel like I got like like a smidgen, you know, like they, they threw something they tried on the table. To, yeah, they tried to cover and, it. And, and left it there. And it's just like, okay, are we not going to explore this? Like, you gave it to me. So what is it exactly that you're saying about this message? Yeah? With the Jordan Peele movies in the past, I, you know, I I'm like you, I would be looking for all of those underlying social issues and their, their social commentary that they're trying to make, but right. Candyman felt really short for me. You know, I, I mean, I definitely prefer the original, um, which has impressively stayed relevant. Um, but I think they tried too hard to make these social commentaries, and like Lizzie says, it just was all over the place. I mean, if you you yeah. really couldn't tell where it was going, and then it like you said it wasn't funny, it wasn't scary at all. 
Whereas Candyman, I had dreams about Candyman. I was just going to ask, were any of <laughs> yeah. you scared? Not were at any of all. You no. Not scary not at all. This, all. Was, this, felt more, this felt more like a thriller than uh, not a even. horror movie. I mean, I was more scared uh, from Get Out you know. and, um, and, and his other movies, to be honest. Yeah. And those weren't scary movies. Um, but I did like, I did I, like the I way know. they tied, like, like Ellen said, I like the way they tied back into the, uh, the original episode, original movie using those shadow puppets. I thought that was good. So there were some good things. There were good acting performances. Um, but yeah. again, for everything that was good, there were so many bad things. Like, okay, Micah, can you explain how his hand got infected? Oh, and oh, he doesn't consider oh. going to the doctor. Until his fingernails no, are falling off. That. I can explain that. I can explain then, that. It's because, wait minute, wait it's because wait he's a black man. That's why. And, and then, black dudes don't go to the doctor. That's all that is. And then not a single, not one person, not one of his friends suggested that he go to the doctor. Not a single one. Listen, listen. Let me just say this as a black woman. You call into my bed with some burn, nasty hand. We we not doing this. We not doing this. Like, what is that? You not touching me with that hand? I can touch that hand. Wait, wait, Excuse wait. me. Is that say anything about this? And, and then at the end, at the end, that cop who was in the car with her, right? And so at the end, the cop is in the car. His his whole his whole unit just got killed by some dead guy out the blue. He's sitting in the car in the driver's seat. And now once does he consider driving off? He sits there <laughs> waiting for Candyman. Not only does that, once Candyman kind of like walks away, he decides to go run out of his car, get out of the car and go running off somewhere. Who does that? Yeah. So, like, so I will what? I will I will paraphrase I will paraphrase um Alfred Hitchcock, who said the reason people don't call the police in horror movies is because that's not interesting, right? Like, so that's that's the director's excuse to for Listen why up. common sense things don't happen. Yeah. I I don't Listen have up. an issue Listen. with that scene. With I, I do have like logic issues. A lot, a lot. there's a lot of logic, a lot problems. of logic issues, and that's <laughs> and that's it. Sounds silly coming from something called Candyman about a about a black like. Ghost man coming. But, you even said but, they don't yeah, follow their own rules. Problems. They set rules and they don't follow, they don't follow their, own their own rules. rules. Yeah, and that's my biggest. Right. That's my biggest problem. If you're gonna set rules, like you gotta follow. Otherwise, otherwise, what's? The point? I mean, that's when I I remember having an argument way back with someone who was like uh, saying, you know, I, I was talking about like superhero movies, right, or, or like Walking Dead or any any of those like uh, supernatural type movies. And they were like, well, you know, it's not real anyway, so it doesn't even matter. I'm like, what are you talking about? You create rules. You set rules in a movie at the beginning of right. the movie. You explain how time works. You explain how. And then so you start, once you understand those rules, then you can, you can follow the movie and it, it starts to make sense. And you can add some realism to it. But like you say, if you mess that up <laughs> and you're right. not following, then right. it, yeah. it just destroys all the logic for me. I can't watch movies like that. They also have so one I rule. Just think Go ahead, Ellen. Right. There was only one rule to follow, and that was for Candyman to consistently come after being called five times. And then it, they didn't. Yeah, there was. They had one rule to follow. And he should have killed his girlfriend <laughs> as soon as she called for Candyman. Also, too, even the relationship between those two, I'm like, this isn't believable. Like, listen, 
You only gonna yeah. be in my house living off of me with no job, earning no money for a small <laughs> amount of time. Then you start acting weird and you have like this melted hand and you're making all these crazy paintings and you're inviting Candyman and all of that witchery and witchcraft. And no, a real <laughs> woman, whether she's black, white, blue, or purple, would have kicked his ass out a long time ago. And I think this is a part yeah, of the like, production and, and directorial um, vision to believe that she was still in it. Like they gave hints of it. This movie needed a sex scene to make us believe why she was still involved. Because I kept looking at her like, well, what is he giving you, girl? Because I, I don't see the connection here. So maybe well, you're hanging and swinging, but you got to let me see yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, and there, and there's see the root of your issue. There's the root of your issue. You just want to look at Yaya Abdul-Mateen's Yaya Abdul-Mateen. <laughs> <laughs> all right unfortunately we are out of time for movie time this is a fun conversation good one, good one Micah good one <laughs> <laughs>Micah here. We gotta do some movie trivia. Today's uh -oh, game, uh -oh. we're playing the app Movie Quiz. I will read random trivia questions from the app, and if you answer correctly, you get a point. Person with the most points wins. So let's get started. Oh, Lord. We're starting you ready, with Ellen? you ready? <laughs> starting with Lizzie. Yeah. All right. What's Kevin's surname in Home Alone? Is it McAllister, McCoolister, or Mc? Douglas, Lizzie. A, A McAllister. A McAllister. That is correct. All right. Uh, what instrument does Edward, this is for Micah, what instrument does Edward Lewis play in Pretty Woman? Is it piano, on, guitar, or violin? I've never seen Pretty Woman, guys. Um, what? Piano. What? what? Piano, I've never seen Pretty Woman. <laughs> Your guest correctly. I've seen it. All right. Good guess. <laughs> All right, Ellen. In the 1984 movie, The Terminator, what year is The Terminator sent from? Is it 2029, 2020, or the year 2000? I think it's 2029. Let's see. That is correct. Right. Points all around. Lizzie, when did Mickey Mouse first appear? 1948, 1928, or 1968? I'm going to say 48. See? That is incorrect. Is it Probably. 1928 is the correct answer. Yeah. 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 All right. Oh, like my dad. Oh, like my dad. All right, Micah. In The Little Mermaid, who convinces Ariel <gasps> to visit Ursula the Sea Witch? You have, you have a great <laughs> role. Come on, Micah. Come on, Micah. Nah, yeah. He don't, he don't watch The Little Mermaid. Um, Floats, <laughs> is, it, is it Float Sam and Jet Sam, Scuttle, or Pinto? Scuttle? Pinto beans. Pinto beans. It's Pinto. Oh. <laughs> right. It's not Pinto. It's Float <laughs> Sam and Jet Sam. Okay. All right. Ellen, you have a chance to take the lead. What's the name of Kevin's Home Alone obnoxious brother? 
Is it Buzz, Dave, or Bart? Why don't you give me these easy ones, man? (laughs) Is it easy for Ellen? Ellen, I can't hear you. Are you on mute, Ellen? Did I lose you? Uh Oh. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe a little internet issues there. Let's see. Try to speak. Try to speak. Yeah, it looks like her her mic is clear. How about you give a one, two, or three? Give a one, two, or three. One, two, or three. Dave? That is incorrect. Buzz! (laughs) Name is Buzz. All right. (laughs) All right, last round. What year did the original Transformers release? 2007? 1998 or 2005? 2005. This is for Lizzie. The original Transformers release. That is incorrect. Oh, that's too many wrong answers. <laughs> let's, <I> let's, yeah. <laughs> let's continue on. All right. <laughs> Micah, in The Mask, the main character, Stanley Ipkiss, works as a mechanic, insurance agent, or bank clerk. I think he's a bank clerk. I think you're right. That is correct. All right, Micah, you're in the lead. All right, Ellen. In the movie Dirty Dancing, what is the baby's father's profession? Is it lawyer, <laughs> doctor, or professor? I have a question. Mm, go back. I have a question. Number one, lawyer. That is incorrect. Incorrect. It's a doctor. And that means, Micah, you win the game. We're coming back. Hey, all right. I mean, I'm fine with Michael winning. I'm fine with Michael winning. But those answers for my question, I don't think were correct. I don't think the 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 options for those answers were correct. Transformers? So the original Transformers yeah. movie is technically the animated one, which came out in 1986. But uh, I think they're talking about the Michael Bay movie, which I think came out in 2007. See, see, see 2007. See, see. You said 2005. But that was the only option available. <laughs> no, you see, there was 2007, 1998, and 2005. You said 2005. Mm-hmm. I don't think. No, no, no. Michael wins. No, no. <laughs> When I look back, when I look back, I'm gonna be like, you're wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we get in some shout outs. Ellen, did you can we hear you? No, we can't hear you still. I don't know what happened. Okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe try to drop and come back real quick. All right, let's get into a shout out. All right, Lizzie, let me start with you. Here's a quick shout out to one of my dearest friends on the planet, Corbin Ruth. Um, she had a birthday yesterday. Um, we celebrated her birthday in true bar crawl, hopping around DC fashion, and it was all organic. We had a great time. So once again, happy birthday, love. Happy birthday. All right, Micah. Uh, shout out to uh, my wife and child who are getting ready to go out for a walk. Shout out to uh, my buddy Jay, uh, who I've been doing a podcast with for a decade. Um, and shout out to y'all. Thank you for having me on here. 
Love having you on. Thanks buddy. for being here. Thanks for being here. All right, Ellen. Sounds like we can hear you now. Let's give me some shout out. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to all the kids at my school, University of Maryland, who are getting screwed by COVID. Who we should be back on. We should be back online, but we're disadvantaged by when we have to miss class because we're sick or someone else is sick and they haven't built in the infrastructure. So shout out to all my frustrated fellow turfs. All right. And my shout out goes to our friend, Mayor Patrick. He found out last week that for the first time, his campaign for mayor of College Park is going uncontested, which means he's definitely going to be mayor for another couple of years. So congratulations to Mayor Patrick Royan. Mayor Patrick. And our final shout out goes to the winner. He's the mayor. Final shout out goes to the winner of our pet shenanigans of the week. And that is Liana Jones with the picture of her puppy lying <laughs> lying in the space between the couch and an empty dog bed with the caption <laughs> when the new bed is definitely not a hit. <laughs> all right. Aw, <laughs> oh, poor sugar. To see all of the pets or post your favorite pet photos or videos, make sure you join the TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group. Find the group quickly by going to mypetshenanigans.com. The photo with the most likes and comments gets a shout out every single week. And that is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. We hope that you maybe learned something new, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. We will be back live in full effect next Sunday, October 3rd, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. As you know, reminder, Unscripted is on hiatus for a little bit as they get ready to bring you something new and exciting starting mid-October. So, October is here, y'all. And don't forget, join us on our TLS Fans Facebook page immediately following the show, TLSfans.com. Go ahead and sign up. We'll go ahead and approve you. And our final thought for the show is going to Micah. Micah, close us out. Close us out, Micah. Um, I'm just going to make it a cheap plug. Go to blackonblackcinema.com to see all of our uh, episodes. Go to thenerpocalypse.com and go to densepixels.com if you enjoy video games. Nice. All right. (laughs) Wait, wait. I said dense. What was it saying again? (laughs) I was like... Dense pixels. (laughs) Dense dense pixels. (laughs) Make sure I say it right. All right, thank you so much, Chris Morrissey. Lizzie, thank you. And special thanks to Ellen and Micah for guest hosting today. Ellen, you did fantastic. Mike always does great. (laughs) All right, and always, I want to thank our people behind the scene working to bring you an awesome show. We got Gianni, Rob B, Jose, and Olivia E. And most importantly, I got to thank you for watching and listening to our shenanigans each week. And we will see you next time. Don't forget, TLS fans.